0: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
1: Jesus says essentially, this passage in Isaiah is talking about me and I'm here to fulfill it. That's his commentary on that. That's pretty plain. That's pretty plain. And this is the beginning of his ministry. You know, in John 10, we're we're three months away from the cross. We're three years into this thing. He began by plainly declaring that He is the Messiah.
0: There are many people in our world, even some within the church, who deny that Jesus was one with God. They value His teachings and call Him a great teacher and human, but they reject the idea that He was divine. This belief has no place in the church. It goes directly against our core beliefs. As Pastor Dan will point out in today's message, Right from the beginning of his ministry, Jesus made it clear who he was. He was the Messiah who came to restore men to right relationship with God. Now, here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 10 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: John chapter 10, we made it to verse 22, where it says, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews, that would be the religious leaders, surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God." Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do... Though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. And then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true, And many believed in him there. Chapter 10 is really the turning point of the Gospel of John. If you remember, John wrote this Gospel to show us that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, the promised Messiah, and that he's the Son of God. And John wants to show us that in order that we may believe in him and have eternal life through his name. And this passage in chapter 10... It is the turning point. It is the turning point because this is the last public appearance of Jesus in the Gospel of John. This is the last appearance of Jesus in the Gospel of John. After this, Jesus will retreat privately with his disciples, and his next public appearance will be his triumphal entry into Jerusalem at the beginning of the Passion Week, where he'll be crucified and, and resurrected. So this is it. This is the last time he's going to appear publicly before he goes to the cross. After this, he, he's going to retreat from public eye. And so this is a, this is a critical passage. Uh, chapter 10 is a critical chapter. In chapter 10 of John's Gospel, John makes, makes it clear who Jesus Christ is. Is uh, he wants us? He wants to leave us with no question, no doubt about Jesus' identity, so that we can believe and receive eternal life. He wants to bring us to a place, every one of us, where you make a decision about Jesus, where you come to a conclusion about him. He's been presenting his case, presenting the evidence, presenting the proof of who he is, and he's bringing us now to a place where we have to make a decision based on the evidence that's been presented. You can't stay undecided with Jesus. You can't stay neutral. He doesn't allow for that. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. He he doesn't allow you to be in some kind of middle ground or undecided with him. And John has been bringing us to a point where we can make a decision about Jesus Christ. And the reason he wants us to make that decision and believe on Jesus Christ is so that we can have our sins forgiven and so that we can receive eternal life through him. And so John presents the evidence to bring us to that conclusion. And in the first half of chapter 10 it takes place in Jerusalem during the feast of tabernacles. We see in verse 22 that it's now the feast of dedication uh, just a few months after tabernacles. And John in this chapter, he brings these two festivals together. He brings tabernacles and dedication together because the subject is the same for both in this chapter. At both the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Dedication, Jesus was explaining that he's the true shepherd of Israel and that the religious leaders are the false shepherds, what he called hirelings or hired hands. Uh, who don't love the sheep, they don't care for the sheep. Uh, if any kind of danger comes that threatens the sheep, they're going to flee to save their own necks. They're not going to lay down their lives for the sheep, but the true shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so this conversation that began at the Feast of Tabernacles is still ongoing now at the Feast of Dedication a few months later. It's, it's, the, it's the same thing. Same conversation is taking place. Uh, In verse 22, it says, Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was wintertime, the Feast of Dedication. It takes place, uh, it's celebrated normally in November or December. You probably know it better as Hanukkah. All of us here have heard of Hanukkah. Or you've at least heard the Hanukkah song by Adam Sandler, right? You're familiar with that. But probably few of us really know the meaning of Hanukkah or the history of Hanukkah or the story behind the Feast of Dedication. Well, Hanukkah or the Feast of Dedication is not a biblical feast, meaning it's, it's not found in the Old Testament, like Passover or Pentecost or Tabernacles. Hanukkah is a historical feast. It's part of the national history of the Jewish people. Jesus was Jewish, so he's celebrating a holiday that was celebrated by the Jewish people, Hanukkah. Uh, It it was not a mandatory feast like Passover, Pentecost, or Tabernacles. It wasn't like one of the big three. Uh, So you weren't required to go to Jerusalem. Uh, So not not as many people celebrated this. Not as many people went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Dedication. It was a lesser holiday, just like in our, our country, Uh, We've got kind of big holidays and we've got smaller holidays. You know, we've got Thanksgiving. Everybody celebrates Thanksgiving, but we also have President's Day, right? Who celebrates President's Day? You might look for a couch or something on sale for President's Day, but that's about it for President's Day. Well, the Feast of Dedication was kind of a lesser holiday among the Jewish people. And I just want to give you some background to the Feast of Dedication Uh, because it's it's important for understanding the context of John chapter 10. Uh, Its origin dates back to the second century BC, before Christ. Uh, At that time, Israel was under Greek rule, uh, and they were under a king named Antiochus IV. And in 160 BC, Antiochus, he essentially outlawed Judaism, the rituals and the practices that were part of Judaism. For example, he outlawed circumcision, which was the sign of the covenant, right? And a Jewish boy is to be circumcised on the eighth day according to the law. But Antiochus made it illegal. He outlawed the festivals, the feasts. They weren't allowed to celebrate the feasts anymore. He burned scrolls of the scripture. He tried to just eliminate it. And so this this Greek king, Antiochus, he he outlawed uh, Judaism. And as you can imagine, the majority of the Jewish people were outraged uh, by this. But, and this part's important, the religious leaders of Judaism, the priests, many of them went along with it. Many of them cooperated with Antiochus in implementing these new laws for their own political gain. save their own necks. They went along with it. After that initial enacting of these laws, Antiochus then, he installed his own high priest over Judaism. So he he replaced the high priest that they had, and he put his own guy in that position as just a, a political appointment, as a political pawn. And that high priest was loyal to Antiochus. That high priest served Antiochus not the Lord God.
0: You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan.
1: It's my privilege to share the word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com.
0: Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth.
1: This was the point in their history, if if you know a little bit about Jewish history, if you've heard of the Essenes. Uh, The Essenes were the people that went and lived out in the desert and they're responsible for the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's at this point in the history of of the Jewish people that the Essenes leave Jerusalem and they go out to the desert and go and live in the desert because they realize, in their opinion, uh, Judaism is so corrupt at this point. The leadership of Judaism is so corrupt. It's beyond repair. And so they just leave. We're not going to be part of it anymore. We're just going to go out to the desert and we're just going to wait for the Messiah to come. And when the Messiah comes, he'll fix everything that is corrupt about Judaism. And so at this point, the system is corrupt. And then in December of 167 BC, Antiochus took it a step further. And he sent Greek pagan priests into the Jewish temple in Jerusalem And had them sacrifice a pig on the altar in the temple. Which a pig, of course, is not kosher. And then he had them erect a statue of Zeus in the Holy of Holies. And he made the the Jewish temple to the Lord God Jehovah. He made it into a temple to Zeus. And again, the religious leaders that were just political appointments that were loyal to Antiochus. They went along with this. But this, he did this just to desecrate the temple, just to desecrate the Jewish temple. And this went too far. Uh, This was too much for the people. It inspired an uprising among the Jewish people that was led by a man named Judas Maccabeus and his sons. And uh, this uprising fought against the Greeks. They recaptured the temple from the Greeks in 165 B.C., They cleansed the temple, they they removed the statue to Zeus, they cleansed it, they cleansed the altar, and they rededicated it back to the Lord God, Jehovah. And that's why it's called the Feast of Dedication. The rededication of the temple after it was defiled by the Greeks. Judas Maccabeus and his sons, they became national heroes to the Jewish people. In fact, in the first century, many Jewish families, when they had a son... They would name their son after one of the Maccabees. And so in the first century, you see a rise in the popularity of names like John, Simon, Judas, Matthias. Those names ring a bell at all? Those are all disciples, right? Those are names from the Maccabees. They were national heroes. And so Jesus is at the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem when they would celebrate the rededicating of the temple after its defilement by the Greeks. They would remember this in their history, but it was also a time in Jesus' day, not so much today, but in Jesus' day, it was also a time when the priests, the priests would lament over the former priests who cooperated with Antiochus. So during the Feast of Dedication, the priests, they would would lament the failure of the priests that came before them. Uh, They would lament the corruption of the priesthood during the time of Antiochus. The fact that the priests allowed this to happen and that the priests went along with it and that the priests were so corrupt that the people had to rise up and fight for and restore the temple to the Lord God. And during the first century, during Jesus' time, as part of the Feast of Dedication, the priests would reflect on one passage in the Old Testament in particular. Anybody want to guess what it is? Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. And we've looked at Ezekiel 34 over the last couple of weeks. I'm not going to ask you to turn there again today, but if you remember, Ezekiel 34 is when God condemns the religious leaders who he refers to as the shepherds of Israel, and he, he condemns them for being bad shepherds who only care for themselves and neglect the sheep of Israel, and it's in Ezekiel 34 that God promised that he himself would come, and he would call all of the lost sheep of Israel to himself, and he himself, God himself, would become the shepherd of Israel. That's what John 10 is all about, right? The good shepherd. That's the fulfillment of it, we see in John chapter 10. Well, during the Feast of Dedication, that's what the priests are reflecting on, Ezekiel 34 and the failure of the shepherds of Israel to care for the flock of God. That's the context here uh, of of the Feast of Dedication, the Good Shepherd passage from Ezekiel. So again, verse 22, it's the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem. It was winter, verse 23, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Solomon's porch was just a, a covered a portico that ran the length of the entire uh, western wall of the Temple Mount, uh, parallel to the Kidron Valley and the Mount of Olives. Uh, it was it was just a place where people could gather at the temple, where rabbis could teach their disciples. Uh, we see in Acts chapter five, verse twelve, that Solomon's porch was the gathering place for the early church in Jerusalem. Uh, this was a time before. Churches had buildings, so they met in homes, they met in living rooms. And in Jerusalem, they also met at Solomon's Porch in the temple. Uh, and it was just a place where people could gather there uh, together. And they're in Solomon's Porch. It's, it's winter time. Solomon's Porch provided shelter from the wind. It provided shelter from the rain. It's the rainy season in the winter. Shelter from the snow. Sometimes it snows in Jerusalem. Jesus is there in Solomon's Porch. It's just a place of shelter, just to get out of the weather where you could sit, uh, where rabbis could sit and teach their, their disciples. That's where Jesus is. He's in Solomon's porch. And we see in verse 24, then the Jews, that would be the religious leaders, they surrounded him, they encircled him. And you in your mind maybe can picture the religious leaders with their beards and their long flowing robes. And there's Jesus in Solomon's porch. And then all of a sudden, here come all of these priests. And they surround them. Because they've got a question for him. And you can imagine Jesus, you know, Howdy boys, you know, what, what can I do for you? Uh, is there a problem? And so they're standing there and they've got this question. And here is their question in verse 24. How long do you keep us in doubt or suspicion or, or suspense? If you are the Christ... Tell us plainly. If you're the Messiah, just tell us plainly. So this, you know, these religious leaders, the priests, show up and circle him. They're surrounding him. Just tell us plainly. Are you the Messiah or not? Look at Jesus' answer in verse 25. I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Jesus has already told them he's the Messiah multiple times. For example, at the very beginning of his public ministry, Jesus goes back to the town he grew up in. He goes back to Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he is asked to give the reading for that day. They hand him a copy of the scroll of Isaiah. He opens to Isaiah 61, which is a messianic passage. It's a passage that describes the ministry of the Messiah when he comes. And he reads from that passage. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 4, we can look at that event together. Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 17. Again, he's in Nazareth. He's in, in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And what they would do in the synagogues in ancient Israel is they would ask uh, any any man in the audience to come up uh, because everybody knew their Bible back then, well enough that they could teach in front of the congregation and so any man could be asked to come up, read, do the reading, and and give some commentary on it, explain the passage uh, so verse seventeen he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, the scroll, and he opened the scroll, and he found the place where it is written. This is Isaiah 61, again describing the ministry of the Messiah when he comes, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year Of the Lord. This is what the Messiah will do when he comes. So then he closed the book, closed the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down, which is what they would do when it was time to teach. They would stand up to read, and then they would sit down to teach. So he sits down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and now he's going to give his commentary on that passage. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus says essentially, this passage in Isaiah is talking about me, and I'm here to fulfill it. That's his commentary on the passage. That's pretty plain. That's pretty plain. And this is the beginning of his ministry. You know, in John 10, we're we're three months away from the cross. We're three years into this thing. He began by plainly declaring that he is the Messiah in john chapter 5 you don't have to turn there but in john chapter 5 the religious leaders it says wanted to kill him because he made himself equal with god so the priests wanted to kill him in john chapter 5 because they understood he was making himself equal with god
2: he asked me how i know and i say bring true
0: The book of 1 John invites followers of Jesus into a consistently growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. The Christian walk isn't meant to stagnate no matter how long you've been pursuing your relationship. There's always more to discover about your Almighty Creator and more ways in which He can refine your heart. As you've done already today by joining Pastor Dan for Ring of Truth, we encourage you to continue spending time in the Word regularly also urge you to make conversation with God a regular part of your routine as well, praying and listening to what your Heavenly Father wants to say to you. And know that here at Ring of Truth, we're also praying for you. We're so glad you joined us today, and we'd like to invite you to visit us here at Calvary Chapel. If you live in the Baltimore, Washington area, come worship with us this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. For more information on what you can expect when you visit, go to calvaryec.com. Or give us a call. We can be reached at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on Ring of Truth.
2: I no.